0: Oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe people live here. I can't believe we get to shoot here. I really hope it doesn't rain that day. Oh my God. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, Unpredictable, Fundamentally Insane World. I'm Liz Craft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast,
1: we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles.
0: Today, we'll talk about what's in our bags. We'll also check in with our assistant, Mary, to hear about all she's learned so far during the pilot process. She's a pilot virgin, so it is a steep learning curve.
1: Yes, and then we'll answer a listener question about moving to Los Angeles. And we've got a meal related Hollywood hack to keep you fed and organized. But first, Liz, people have been asking what our pilot, The Fix, is about.
0: Yes, we've talked so much about the fact that we're doing a pilot, that we're making this pilot with Marcia Clark, but we've never actually said the logline, which for anyone who doesn't know is sort of the brief description of what the show is. So let's give them a logline and whet the appetite of our listeners for the fix. Excellent. All right. So this is the logline.
1: What happens when you lose the trial of the century and are shredded by the media in the process? If you're Maya Travis, you leave your job as a high-powered prosecutor in Los Angeles and never look back. What happens when, eight years later, the murderer who got off strikes again? If you're Andre Collier, current chief deputy DA who was second chair in the case eight years ago, you call the one woman who knows more about the past case than anyone else and offer redemption. Now that Maya's back, will she play by the rules and lose once again, or will she do whatever it takes to get the killer behind bars? From Marcia Clark, the woman who survived being at the center of a real life trial of the century storm, the fix is part legal thriller, part confessional, part revenge fantasy, and totally riveting.
0: Woo-hoo! I mean, it's got to be
1: totally riveting. We said it in the The, log line.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's got to be totally riveting and, of course, relentlessly entertaining. That's what we're going for.
1: Yes. All right. So, Liz, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's what's in our incredibly heavy bags.
0: Yeah. Sarah, doing a pilot means we have to haul all kinds of stuff around. And we're we're sort yeah. of usually we're planted in one place more or less, but doing a pilot, you're like riding in vans places, you're shooting all over the city. We're we're in this office and that office, and we have all this stuff we have to carry, like yeah. a binder holding our script and the crew list and the casting information schedule. and shooting it. And then we need warm clothes because we never know what the weather is going to be. We have to carry around our iPad Pros. Definitely. Can't
1: leave those behind.
0: And snacks. Mm -hmm. So we have all of these things in our bags. Yeah. We've
1: talked about how on sets and also in production offices, the food situation is horrifying. So yeah, we all, we both have like our special little snack stuff that we have to carry.
0: Yeah. So what do you, like what's in your bag right now? Like what snacks are you carrying? Right now I have um, chomps. I always have chomps. Do people know what chomps are? Um, They're
1: these um, grass-fed meat sticks. And I also get Steve's paleo beef jerky. Mm. I carry that around. And then I have Artisana, I think I'm saying that right, little packets of Artisana nut butters. So cause usually wherever you go, there's an apple. So mm-hmm. then I can just slice an apple and use my kind of single serving packets of nut butter. That's my snack bag. What's your snack?
0: You know me, I'm a bar person. Yeah. <laughs> I have like multiple <laughs> zone bars. I have um, also like kid zone bars from Jack's. That's mm-hmm. like a smaller bar if I it's a smaller <laughs> snack. And then the other thing I carry around in my bag during pilot season is hard candy. Basically, whenever I'm at a restaurant and they have mints, I like, take several and I put them in my bag. (laughs) And then the other thing lately I've been doing is my dry cleaner has little fireballs, Oh, um, you know, you can take and I love fireballs. So Uh when the person like turns around to get my clothes, I like (laughs) grab like four fireballs and stash them in my purse. I hope that's not like stealing. (laughs) Is that acceptable to take four fireballs per visit? It's acceptable to me. I
1: think that's fair. They charge a lot to dry clean your T-shirts. Yes.
0: (laughs) And then I also right now have my Werther sugar-free coffee caramel hard candies. The reason I'm like carrying around so much of these little hard candies is because there's just so much food around. It's even yeah. more. I know we complain about it all the time, but yeah. during um, the pilot process, there's even more yeah. crazy food and people send food when your so. schedule
1: is crazy and you're tired, so yes. your resistance is down. Yes.
0: So I try. I figured that's sort of a stopgap. Well, and then there's the heaviest thing in my bag,
1: and I think you have this too, is uh, the charger because we have our iPads, yes. we have our iPhones, we're using them nonstop, and the batteries die.
0: So fast. Yeah.
1: That you, I have like, you know, a huge heavy charger and
0: then a smaller charger also. See, I don't have the heavy charger. I need that because I just have the small charger for my phone, which I discovered the hard way does not charge my iPad. I Mm, thought it did. So I need the bigger one that you have also. And then I don't know if you have
1: this, but I have three pairs of glasses in my bag right now.
0: Oh, I don't, I just have the one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have my sunglasses, I have my like, computer screen glasses, since we're on our screens so much, and then I have my regular glasses. Wow. It's crazy. And of course, Sarah, we can't go anywhere without our rain pants. I mean, we've talked about how rain pants are, like, the key to pilot success in any situation. So, yeah. Yeah. You have to have room to shove those rain pants in there.
0: And then, Sarah, the other thing that we will have in our bags once we start shooting in a few days is is sides. Yes. And um I don't know, if people don't know what sides are, it's a sort of miniaturized version of the pages of the script that we're shooting that day. So you arrive on set at like 6:30 in the morning and someone's going around handing out sides and it's like, "Oh, this is the scene we're doing" and then you can sort of follow along when the actors are doing the dialogue and what happens inevitably <laughs> is that you end up with like Fifteen different sides yeah. in your the crumpled in the bottom of the bag.
1: Well, and also you lose them. I stick them in my pocket. I stick yes. them in my bag. I stick them in the side. Like there's always a pocket on our director's chair. Yeah, you end up with thousands of copies of sides. It feels yes. like. Yeah. Um. So, should we talk about what kinds of bags we have? Yes. Because this is also a huge thing. Yes.
0: So you were on the search for a new bag for, for like, months. two years. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it? Okay. It's beautiful, I So must say.
1: I finally settled on the Allen Tote, which is from Dagny Dover. I think that's how it's pronounced. And it's great because it's super organized. Like, I'm used to having tote bags where you just throw stuff in and it all just becomes a big jumble. Yeah. This bag has... Just little spots for everything, so I know where everything is, which is super important in pilot season. I already know where my slides are going to go in the bag.
0: Ah. I have a
1: special spot for them.
0: Now, I will point out your bag is very light-colored, so I am a little worried about what it's going to look like at the end of this pilot. I know, but it's so pretty. yes, you can have it cleaned. <laughs> it is beautiful. We'll link to it okay, so people yes. can see it. Um, and then Larissa Kondraki, who's the director of our... Pilot, um, who we just adore, and hopefully we'll have on the podcast. Yes, introduced us to the most fabulous bag that she has. It's the leather Graph Lance X Assembly Tote. How's that for a name? Yeah, we'll link to this too. And it's really like a piece of art. It's this black soft leather bag, huge, huge stylish, and practical. No, it's very heavy, though. I think that's the only downside. Very heavy. But it's so great that our producer, Lori Zaks, bought one. Yes, and I would have, honestly, (laughs) except then when Lori bought it, I was like, okay, we can't have three of us with the same bag. Yeah, because I think it only comes in black. Yeah, no, it (laughs) gets to the point of absurdity. Yeah. (laughs) But it looks really fabulous. And, Liz, you did not get a new bag for pilot season, though. No, I have to admit, (laughs) I'm still just using my backpack and I'm carrying my purse. So I am really not doing the right thing here. i have doubled up. I'm double-bagging it, and neither one is really big enough, so it's like, you know, things kind of stick out the top, they can <laughs> fall out. Um, I am not doing the bag thing right right now.
1: I would argue that maybe it's good. Because my bag is so heavy and, like, Larissa's bag is so heavy and Lori's bag will be so heavy, it might be good to split it up and have one on each shoulder. I mean, you you might come out of this without back problems and the rest of us are going to be, you know, going to the chiropractor.
0: All right. Well, that'll be an interesting experiment. We'll see how <laughs> that goes. Yes. Now, I want to hear, because bags are just... You know, they're so personal. They're so important. I would love to see our listeners' bags. Like, what is the bag you have that gets you through whatever you're going through? (laughs) Send us a picture. Instagram it. um, Hashtag happier in Hollywood. We want to see your bags. And up
1: next, we will check in with our assistant, Mary. But first, a word from our sponsor.
0: And now for our segment from the Outer Office in which we check in with our assistant, Mary. Mary, welcome. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So we are in the depths of pre-production for our pilot, The Fix. We are just days away from shooting. And we want to know what you've learned so far through the process because this is your first pilot.
2: Yeah, so I've learned a lot. Um, You know, right off the bat, I think one of the big things I've learned from you, too, is... You're always so meticulous about everything you write, whether that's emails to crew members or the notes we've sent to actors. Even with the names, when we had to come up with new names because the original names in the script didn't clear. Mm -hmm. And it's made me think of my own writing. Okay, I have to be much more meticulous and
1: have uh, extreme specificity. With everything. Should we talk a little bit about what clearance is, like names having to clear?
0: Yes. Before we get into that, I just want to say that that is a piece of advice we give to people Mm -hmm. about emails. Reread every email before you send it, both for content and for, you know, just punctuation and grammar mm-hmm. because yeah you really seem more professional if your email game is you know on point mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah let's explain clearances so clearances
1: basically is you know every name in the pilot, pretty much any reference to anything real has to go through a clearance process. um, And it goes to this very special clearance place. Mary, you've been dealing with it more than we have. Can Mm -hmm. you talk about where it goes and what they do? Yeah.
2: So it's a company and they do um, like a research report. So any mention of a park name, a person's name, a road name even, or any stores, um, they have to make sure that it's cleared. You know, if someone else like if you have Tom Smith and he's a lawyer in the script, if there's a Tom Smith who's a lawyer in that same state that you wrote, then you can't use that name.
0: (laughs) And it's like if you have a really common name like John Smith, you're usually okay. Mm -hmm. But it's when you have an unusual name and then there's one other person with that name that they really come down on you.
1: Yeah. And we're very finicky about the names that we yes. use so we have charged mary and and marsha's assistant rob with kind of coming up with some new names for us to look at and are and we're very we're very picky about it we keep going yes. two
0: tv two tv
1: <laughs> yeah two tv go back go yeah. back
0: more names more names and they're like oh my god or i remember
2: i came up with a first name skylar no yeah. offense if anyone's named skylar out there but you were like that's a little too waspy for this character yeah. I was like Oh, you're right. Like, very meticulous even about
0: the new names that clear. So you've learned that. And what else have you learned? Uh,
2: So um, I didn't get in trouble, but I got kind of... Someone corrected me when I called it in an an audition.
0: Oh, when we were
2: reading people for Yeah, instead of a producer session. But in my head, I was like, it is an
0: audition, though, because they're reading. But... Mm, they, so we should explain what that what a producer yeah. session is, so we have casting directors who are in charge of casting they pre read actors or certain actors they know they like, they just call in, and we, the producers and hopefully the director if she 's available. Sit and the actors come in and read. And that is what one would typically think of. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's an audition. But I think maybe audition, it just feels like kind of a demeaning term. So it's called a producer session, and that's just us working with actors. And they read the part, um, which, of course, is incredibly helpful for us to see it come alive and imagine them doing it. Of course, there's a lot of people that we just make offers to. Mm -hmm. They don't even come to a producer session. Okay, and so there are other things that are just like because you want to be a TV writer, I do. So you yeah. want to be in this position? Mm-hmm. Um, Does this make you more want to be yeah. a TV writer or less? Yeah, <laughs>
2: definitely. I've just I'm noticing. I think right now, since you're in crunch time, the most stressful thing I'm seeing is you have to adjust the script for the budget, but mm, yeah. it still has to be the great script you want. And so it's hard. It's a balance of. um You want it to be a great script, but it still has to be, it has to fit within the budget. And you have to take all these suggestions from so many different people.
0: Yeah, that is, I think, one of the hardest lessons to learn as a Hollywood writer. I'm sure, I I assume it's the same for movies. We write what we want to write, but then once you have this budget of what, you know, what you can spend to make the show, you've got to make compromises to fit the budget. So you may have to change a location because that location is too expensive or it doesn't fit into the schedule, or you have to take out a character because the character is going to be too expensive. Or take out scenes you love
1: because they just don't fit. There are only so many days and there's only so much time and if a scene doesn't fit in a certain spot, it might have to go, even if it's your favorite.
0: Yeah. We've Sarah's been experiencing not speaking that. of experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, oh, then, you know, and then the other thing is there's the whole timing issue. So a pilot, once it's done and edited, can be 42 minutes and change. And... We'll have a script supervisor do a timing of how long she or he thinks it's going to time out to once it's shot. You know, you want to be over 42, Mm -hmm. whatever, because you want to be able to cut and trim. But you don't want to be so much over that you've ended up spending a lot of money to shoot stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor. So it's balancing wanting to have enough so that you can cut, but not having so much that you're like, oh, gee, I wish we didn't spend $50,000 on that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's um, it and it's hard because you get very attached to the script. I mean, we've been working on the script for months. We love it; it's our baby, and it's very hard for someone to just come in and go. You know what? That scene doesn't really go anywhere. Why don't you cut it? And you're like, yes, it does. Yeah. But it's the process, and and the you know, and you have to work with everybody.
2: And also, I'm learning that it really isn't just writing, mm. um, especially in TV. You know, when you think of a screenwriter, you think of someone just home alone in their mm. home office with no one around. But in TV, you know, you're in the system, you're in the production, you're you're talking to everyone, the below the line people, the casting, everything.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, writing at this point is the least of what we do. Yeah, and <laughs> is the least of what we'll be doing for months. Yes,
0: absolutely. Editing will be yeah, big. <laughs> Um, And then I know another thing, Mary, that you've noticed is how many people um, have to approve every decision. Yeah.
2: Um, You know, and I have other friends who are assistants in other departments, and everything you suggest or anything you want has to be approved by so many people. The studio, the network, in different departments, like uh, if you want an actor, so many people, the producer, the studio, they all have to say yes to that person before you can go forward so there's yes. like a line of people to prove everything
0: yeah so it's a lot of hurry up and wait it's like you make a decision and then it's like well it's going up the chain so then you're waiting for everyone to say yes 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 and then if a no comes you either have to have a discussion about it and convince the person or you just have to move on so it's collaborative yeah is it's, it's the most collaborative mm-hmm. thing you can do i think
1: yeah, um, so Mary, do you find making a pilot as stressful as we do? Um, I don't know.
2: I think my tolerance of stress is pretty high. Yeah. just because of grad. Honestly, because of grad school.
0: Oh, <laughs> interesting. Because so, you produced a bunch of like, and we did it in the short, short times.
2: Yeah, and also while crewing on other people's films. Also, man, bless my boyfriend for like <laughs> being like so so supportive over all of this too. Oh, um, that's yeah. Nice. So
0: um, yeah, it's so because we always say it's the most stressful but the most fun mm-hmm. thing in television is making a pilot. So it sounds like you're just finding the fun because yeah. it is fun. Yeah, and you meet all these new people and you form bonds and you're like a family mm-hmm. and it's and you end up laughing a lot. Some you of never it's... laugh more. No. Than when we do a pilot.
1: Yes, it's slap happy. Yeah. It's like it's slap happy laughing where you're just like out of control and sometimes don't even know why you're laughing. But other than the fact that you just have to. I will
0: never forget when we were in a hotel lobby in Vancouver interviewing Uh a makeup artist and we just lost it for some reason. And it was for no reason really. It was, I mean, we were laughing for like 15 minutes. The poor lady was just like, thought we were on drugs. It was so embarrassing. Oh, it really was. We were very tired. <laughs> All right. Well, Mary, we're going to um, keep checking in with you, and I'm glad that you're enjoying the pilot process yeah. and, and taking it in stride. a lot. And, um, you know, we're glad you're there because you're saving our asses. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, Liz, now it's time for a listener question. Edie wrote on our Facebook group, I was personally glad to hear that you both came to L.A. in your late 20s. It was a comment in passing that really calmed me. I am in my early 30s and have decided to finally rip off the Scaredy Cat Band-Aid and move to L.A. As a screenwriter, what are the top three things you would recommend for me or any other writers to do before I get there? What will help me be happier in Hollywood?
0: Well, of course, we get this question a lot about moving to L.A., but I thought this one was really interesting asking, what can I do before I move? Yes. Um, And the truth is it's difficult to do much before you get here. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is why we tell people if you want to be a writer in Hollywood, move to Hollywood, you know. um, But... As we thought about it, there were things that seemed very helpful to do before you move.
1: Yeah, like we posed this question to our director, Larissa Kondraki,
0: Who's also a writer.
1: Yes, and she said, enter competitions, which is such a great idea. There are so many screenwriting competitions for film and TV. And if you can really make a splash in one of those competitions, which is what Larissa did early on in her career, you can, I mean, it just absolutely gives you a huge leg up.
0: You might get the attention of agents, so you could even... She got an agent before she moved here because of co- a competition she won, which is almost never happens. Right? Um, or or be super talented. Yes. <laughs> uh, but if you're winning competitions, it's a good sign that you have what it takes. Yes. You know, I mean, it can be a real booster. Yeah. And then another thing to do, um, which we didn't have the option to do this when we moved here because social media didn't exist, is join social media groups so that you have contacts when you get here. I mean, we have talked about how many groups there are if you make contacts, that's just a great way to ease into L.A. So you may have sort of friends ready mm-hmm. um, when you arrive. Yeah.
1: Like, I would say people have been using our Facebook group for that.
0: Yes. Actually, I
1: think Pepper Reed met people. I just remember her name. It's such a great yes. name. So uh, Pepper Reed Shout met people. Shout out to Pepper, Yeah, moved
0: to North Hollywood. <laughs> on
1: our Facebook group and then went to the meetup and met people there. So that's a great way yeah. to sort of reach out to people through social media. Yeah. And then, Liz, you talked about this a bit earlier. Brush up on your grammar and
0: punctuation. Yes. I really just think that people, if you're going to be a writer, you have to know where to put commas um, and colons and uh, periods and all that good stuff. Um, And also, like, to say who or whom and all of that. Because, yes, our writing really is about the dialogue. Mm -hmm. But it's just such an easier read if everything is punctuated correctly. And again, when you're out here, you may not just be a writer to begin with. You may be an assistant. And you want an assistant who can write well is just very valuable. Yeah. Now, Edie asked for
1: three things. We actually have five.
0: Yeah. So, oh, God. Now these are just bonus. I know. So
1: bonus uh, number four (laughs) also comes from Larissa. She said, read 100 scripts or 200 or 1,000
0: yeah, it's like her thing is you don't want to just be writing the last movie you saw in the theater because people <laughs> have a tendency to sort of get whatever they've just ingested, you know, in their brain and it kind of comes out. Um, but just read all kinds of genres, all you know, from, you know, old, new, whatever. You just want to read. Yeah,
1: um, and then number five, second bonus answer is finish writing a script, at least one script before you move. And this is also reminiscent of Jenna Fisher's advice about finishing things.
0: If you can't get yourself to finish a script, then you're not meant to be a writer in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, it's like, you it's not about sitting in a cafe and rewriting the same scene over and over. It's like, if you can't even write, make yourself write, then forget it. You know, I mean, it's right. That sounds so harsh, but yes. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Um, Even if it's bad, you've got to finish it. It can be bad and you can get better. Yeah. But if you can't actually make yourself do it, you know. That's true. Bad is okay. Oh, wait. Mary's got Uh, something to say. Oh,
2: yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I was listening to this podcast. I forget which screenwriter, but he said, Um, a feature screenwriter who said, um, just finish one script without reading, like reading it or looking back and then finish another one and then do one more and it will be better than the last one. Ah, Um, This is like obviously nothing you would turn in for anyone to see, but just as practice, just to like, you know, like automatically it will be better than the last one. Yeah, that's
0: that's great
1: advice. Just keep writing. And finish what you write. Yes. Whatever form it's in. Yes.
0: Up next, we've got a lunch-related Hollywood hack, but first an ad break. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack and its weekly lunch planning. Um, Mm -hmm. Our old boss, Joss Whedon, left television for many years after Buffy and Angel and Firefly went off the air and he just did movies. And he returned to television (laughs) with a declaration. (laughs) He was like, I have figured it out. I know how to solve the lunch ordering problem. We waste a lot of time in t- television. Every day. Ordering lunch. Yeah. It's a whole to-do. It's where are we going to go? And then it's the menus are passed out. And and a piece of paper where you, like, write down what you want is passed around. But inevitably, it lands in front of someone who doesn't do it for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, it just stalls. And suddenly it's 1130, and we haven't even ordered lunch, and everyone's hungry, and it's going to be another hour and a half to get it. It's just a whole thing. Yeah. So Joss's thing You want to explain? Yes. Okay. So Joss's
1: thing was every Friday, a packet would go around to all of the writers and all of the assistants and anyone who orders lunch. And it was a packet of menus for the next week, a different menu for every day. And you would just circle what you want. So you're deciding in advance, crazy notion, what you want to have for lunch on Thursday of next
0: week. And then you don't think about it at all. That's right. And you just get a nice surprise of like, oh, I ordered a Southwest chicken salad. (laughs) Um, um, And it really did save a lot of time. It was very efficient. Stress, too, stress and time. Yeah, that's what we did on Dollhouse. We will use that again. Yes, for sure. Next time we're running a show. Yeah, I mean, lunch is one of those things you shouldn't have to stress out about, especially when there's already so much to focus on. Right. So it's just removing, you know, the inefficiencies. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. What's in your bag? Instagram or tweet a picture. Hashtag happier in Hollywood. And you can email us or send a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't
1: already. Thanks to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for joining us today. You can find her on Instagram at marymerkdog, M-A-R-Y-M-E-R-K-D-O-G. Thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lye. Also, thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project.
0: Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job, and we enjoy it. Oh, my God, Sarah, you forgot to mention uh, the most ever-present item in your bag, your enormous water bottle that weighs (laughs) like 10 pounds. Yeah, my water bottle and now
1: my coffee carafe. Oh, my God. I, like, brew my cold brew at home and, and I carry around my coffee carafe. You need a Sherpa for that bag. I do.